you know, I, I'm always conflicted about ending a ministry time, but I know there are a lot of you that, you know, you're here to hear the word, and God's given me a word, so I feel like I'm supposed to deliver the word. So if we go a little bit over time today, is that okay with y'all? Okay, good. Now, I'm not asking the people downstairs that are watching the kids, but uh, actually when it gets to the end, when you do have to go get kids, we'll ask you, probably going to, somebody will remind me so we don't lead them in the, or y'all can alert them, one of the ushers can alert them. We might run a little bit over today because our cup's running over. Amen? Amen. Okay, turn in your Bibles to John 15. We're going to read a verse. We're going to stand in a second and read a verse together, or quote a verse together. But I, God gave me a, a message to speak, and I think, you know, sometimes when I've got a holiday stuck in my head, then I sometimes try to relate why the world's celebrating something and how we're supposed to celebrate it because Valentine's, the love they're talking about in Valentine's has nothing to do with the love of God. It has nothing to do with the love of God. And I want to find that love, and it's agape. Say agape. And here's that. That's the noun, and here's the verb, agapio. Say agapio. Or in Texas, agapeo. <laughs> it's agapio. That's the Greek word. That's the verb. See, love is a verb. Y'all know that? It's a noun, but it's also a verb. There's always an action attached to love. And so most of the times in the Bible, there are times when they're talking about erotic love or phila love, Philadelphia. Uh, uh, there's, there's family love. There is uh, friend love. There is erotic love. And that's really what Valentine's Day is mostly about because that's why, you know, Cupid and all that stuff. But then the main, the best, uh, the, the one that's mentioned the most in the Bible is agape, which means, uh, well, let me give you a, a, the best definition. I've tried to give definitions. And actually, when you look at the Greek, Amy, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of, uh, it's not real definitive. And, and so the best definition I can give you for agape or agapao is J-E-S-U-S, Jesus you're going to see that in a minute because he said, I want you to love as I have loved you. So we're going to we're going to delve into this subject about love. The title of the sermon is called Choose to Love. And how does that have anything to do with the harvest of souls? Well, I'm going to tell you it has everything to do with the harvest of souls. Because if we don't love the lost, we will never see them come to Jesus. OK, so stand with me. We're going to read first. I mean, not first John, John 15, 16 through 17. We're going to read this out loud together. OK. Start with me. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Second verse. Next verse. These things I command you that you love one another. Say that again. These things I command. Say command. See, it's not a suggestion. These things I command you that you what? Now, Jesus is talking to his disciples here. So we're going to look at this whole thing called love. Agapao. Okay. Father, I bless the reading of your word this morning. Father, I pray that the, as we have sung this morning, that we are listening, that we have ears to hear. We have eyes to see. We have hands to, to do what you want us to do and feet to tell you that you will show us where to go. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and sat down. See, I want to preach on love. I just, man, love. I looked it up, Googled love. It's like 19.4 billion things about love. Not million, but billion. So I started to read. I read them all. <laughs> just kidding. 
That's not true. There are more songs written about love than any other subject, right? And Wednesday night when we have our Valentine's banquet, we're going to challenge you with some of those songs, those love songs, if you remember some of those songs. But when I'm, when I'm thinking about preaching on choosing to love, because I believe love is a choice, then God woke me up Friday morning a little earlier than normal, and he said, these are some things, and I feel like it was God sharing with me. It's not the thus saith the Lord kind of stuff, but he was laying on my heart some things, some issues that directed me in a little different, little different path on the sermon. So I had to kind of rework all of that, and, and, and here's the deal. I should have titled this sermon, Choose to Obey. Choose to Obey. And that covers all the rest of it. So I want to show you what I mean by that. We'll, we'll talk about the obedience thing at the very end of the sermon. But I want you to see five or six things. I didn't number them on my page here. First thing is to choose to love your Christian brothers and sisters. See, he just told his disciples that he said, I command that you love one another. Now look at John 13, 33 through 35. Little children. That's, he called them little children a lot. I can imagine these older guys, these old tough soldiers and fishermen, little children. <laughs> Peter's like, huh? Who's he talking? He's not talking to me. Yeah, he was. I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment. Say new commandment. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. This is before John 15. This is John 13. It says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Say, as I have loved you. That you also would love one another. By this, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Listen, before the world is going to come and say, we want to know about your Jesus, they've got to see the fact that we can actually love each other. There's so much infighting in churches. There's church splits and denominational differences. And we, we, we point at this denomination or that denomination. And we, we make fun of them. And they make fun of us. And we're the pew jumpers. And we speak in tongues. And, and they're the ritualistic people, the legalistic people. And we have all these words that go back and forth, back and forth. But listen, if they love Jesus, they believe Jesus died on the cross for the sins, was raised from the dead, he ascended to the Father, and he sent his Holy Spirit. Listen, I agree with them. And we ought to find some things that we agree with them on and begin to celebrate our unity in those things instead of finding all the faults with each other because the world is looking at us. The world is looking at us. And that's why Jesus commanded his disciples. He didn't say, this is a good idea, guys. He said, I command you to love one another. I command you to agapao. I command you to love one another. Now, this is the kind of love. He said, this is a new commandment. Well, if we read in Leviticus 19, 18, this kind of has already been said. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So he's already said we're supposed to love our neighbors, right? But here's the deal. Why, would it, why was it called the new commandment then that we're supposed to love one another? Here's the difference. Because he said this is different. I want you not to love others as you love yourself. I want you to love others just the way I've loved you. He wants us to love. One another the way Jesus loved us. Isn't that incredible? That's the kind of love that goes to the cross. You understand? That's a, that's a giving up your life for somebody kind of love. So he said, I want you to love as I have loved you. He has the greatest. He is love. God is love, the Bible says. So when we choose, when we say, well, I don't know if I want to love them or not. I had a little tip for them. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. if. Listen, you're being disobedient. You're not following the commands of Christ because he said, you, my command is that you love one another. You agapow them. 
sounds a little more, poof, I agapow you, right? Go up to somebody on the street and say, man, I agapow you. And they, they might agapow you, you know? So we're first called, if we're going to win the loss, see, this is what has, this has, has to do with whole harvest of souls. If we're going to win the loss, if we're going to be a witness to the lost world, they've got to at least see that we can get along. Wow. Well, I'm not so sure I don't like the guy sitting next to me, Pastor. <laughs> Seriously, he, he said, if, if we're going to win the, if, he said, this is how the world's going to know that I'm God. John, read it, John 17. Okay, that's number one. Love each other in the church. Okay, number two. You're going to love this one because this is like Valentine's Day. This is an exclusive breaking news. Husbands, love your wives. Let me say that again. I got three amens. Husbands, love your wives. Smart husbands, love your wives. And say amen real loud. Golly, what's all these guys? Amen. So those deep bass boys. Amen. Amen. My God. Turn to Ephesians 5. And I, just like I encouraged the first service, I encourage you to bring your Bibles with you. Not your iPhones. I mean, iPhones are cool. But sometimes the batteries go down or the Wi-Fi is not working. And it's hard to find your place in them and know the scriptures and where they relate to each other and, and know where their order is. So I just encourage you to bring your real Bibles with you. I know the others are real, but just encourage you. If you don't have a Bible, we will give you a Bible. We've given away hundreds of Bibles, so... If you don't have a Bible, we will give you a Bible. Okay? Ephesians 5, 25. This is Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit saying, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Husbands, I'm not even going to talk to the wives. This is all about you this morning. Husbands, loving your wives is a commandment from God. A commandment requires a response or a choice to be made. Now, I'm, I want to put an asterisk by this or something, because I know some of you, many of you may be divorced. I don't know. And if you are, this is not to bring condemnation on you whatsoever, because all you got is from where you're at right now forward, right? Come on, church, wake up. When I do this, that means amen. Unless you don't care, then it's. <laughs> okay? When you say. I have fallen out of love. I just don't love her anymore. You know what you're really saying? God, I am not going to obey you anymore. I'm not going to obey your commandment. If we had more men, more husbands that would quit saying I've fallen out of love and I choose to love my wife, I choose to agapao my wife, and that's not a sexual term. I choose to sacrifice my life for my wife and for my marriage. If we had more men, we would not have near as many divorces in the church as we have now. Because men have got to stand up and rise up and obey the word of God. It's about obedience. Come on, church. We, we, you know what? We've, we've confused love with a feeling and mush and oh, hearts and cupids and all. It, this is not what he's talking about here. He's not talking about a sexual, oh, I feel well, I just don't feel the same way about her as I used to feel. Well, duh. So sorry for you. Probably the reason you don't feel that way anymore is because you quit obeying God. 
And you quit loving your wife the way the Bible says to love your wife. You love your wife the way Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. When's the last time you husbands gave yourself up for your, for your wife? I'm telling you, we, we, we've got it so wrong because we have confused love in the, the biblical term of love. We've confused it with the worldly term of love. Oh, I love my wife, but I, you know what? I, I love sports more. I love ice cream. I love this. I love that. Listen, that's not agapao. Agapao is I sacrifice, I give because Jesus gave. I love my wife. I'm commanded to love her, and I'm going to obey God in his word. You see how this works? Obedience. You obey God, then you're going to love your wife. You disobey God, you're not going to love her like you should. Third thing is choose to love your neighbor. (laughs) Now, the Bible talks about who the neighbor is. It's in Luke chapter 10. You can go home and read it. I I started to read the whole story, and I thought, no, I want to let you go home and read it. Luke chapter 10. What would that story be about? The good Samaritan. Say Samaritan. You see, Jesus tells this story because he's a lawyer. Of course, it would be a lawyer. A lawyer wants to know who's my neighbor so he can kind of get, you know, he's he's trying to compromise and rationalize who his neighbor is. And Jesus said, okay, I'll tell you who your neighbor is. Because he said, this is how you fulfill the law. You love God, you love your neighbor as yourself, right? So he says, this is who your neighbor is. And he tells a story about a a man in the ditch. He's been robbed, he's been beaten, he's been bruised. And the religious people walk right by and walk by and walk by and make all excuses, you know. Oh, I don't have time for him. I don't have time for her. I don't have time. I've got to be somewhere. I've got to be at church. (laughs) And the Samaritan, who's not supposed to have any dealings with a Jew, he's the one that goes over and takes care of his wounds, takes him to a, to a, a hotel, buys his, pays for his room, pays for his board, makes sure he's taken care of till he comes back on the next visit. Now, he said, that's your neighbor. And he said, you're supposed to agapao your neighbor. That didn't mean he goes and kisses him on the side of the road. That means he goes and helps him and has mercy on him like Jesus had mercy on us. Your neighbor could be the person across the desk from you at work. Your neighbor could be the, the person that you see across the street, your neighbor could be the person you run into at the store. Whoever God puts in your path, they may need some kind of assistance. And he says, that's your neighbor. You need to respond to the command of God to love your neighbor. Agapal, your neighbor, put them first. Quit thinking about yourself. That's what we're called to do. So we're supposed to love one another. <laughs> that's pretty easy. Uh, we're supposed to love our wives. For some of us, that's really easy. And we're supposed to love our neighbor. And some of us, well, that's a little bit stretch. That's a stretch because you don't know my neighbors, Pastor. They throw beer bottles in my yard. Their, their dog, they let their dog out every morning. He comes and poops in my lawn. I don't know how I can love him. Right? So God said, no, 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 you're supposed to love him because I loved you first. And if I loved you, oh, here's the deal. Aren't you glad God didn't quit loving you? Aren't you glad he hadn't fallen out of love with us? Well, Harold, man, I'm telling you, you really messed up today. You know, we're done. <laughs> we're done, Harold, no more. I, I just, I fall, I don't love you anymore. Can you imagine Jesus saying that? But we say it all the time to our neighbors, to our wives, to our relationships, to our church friends. Some of you don't even talk to people who used to be best buds within church because they hurt your feelings or you hurt their feelings. And listen, God says, I don't care. I don't care what's happened. You're supposed to forgive them. You're supposed to love them. Ooh. Went over like a lead balloon. But that's right, isn't it? 
That's not me. That's the Bible. Okay. So the next thing he, he said was to choose to. This is the really tough one. It get tougher as we go. I, I did them in that order. He said, choose to love your enemies. <gasps> oh, come on, God. I mean, I can deal with those other ones. I'm, I'm, I'm good with my brothers and sisters in Christ and my, my, me and my wife. We're in love. I, you know, and, and I love my neighbors. I, even though they throw beer bottles in my yard, I still, we talk. And if they need help, you know, they know I'm there for them. That's good, God. But this, this enemy thing, you're, you're meddling now, God. You're just getting, oh, you're just meddling. Well, look what he says in Luke 6, 27 through 36. And this is God. I'm, you know, if I'd have been writing it, I would have probably written a lot easier. <laughs> but God, God wrote it this way. But I say to you who hear, do y'all, do y'all hear me this morning? Can y'all hear me this morning? Okay. So then you can hear the word that Jesus said. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. This is agape or agapao. That's the verb. Love your enemies. Okay, God. Do good to those who hate you. Okay. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. Are you serious? That's a lot to ask of us little old Christians, isn't it? Oh, well, he didn't stop there. To him who strikes you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. Offer it also. He, he's, you know, he lost most. He, he lost most of you, and letting them hit you the first time, right? Gets worse. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. In other words, if you've got a nice jacket on, and they say, "I sure want that jacket," you give them the jacket. Hey, man, how about my sweater too? Hmm. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. Seriously, do y'all get this? And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. That's called the golden rule, if you didn't know that. Jesus, what I believe is, and this may be a physical thing. It could very well be. Somebody asks you for something, they need it, you give it to them. Don't ask, no questions asked. But what Jesus, many times when he would teach, he was teaching principles. When he said, if, you're, if your sin causes you, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. He didn't mean to pluck your, hand out, your eye out and cut your hand off. And in the same way here, he's telling you to do these things. What he's saying is, uh, the, these ideas were if somebody in the Jewish uh, 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 Jewish culture, if they ever backhanded you, that was a great insult to that person. So what do we do? He's talking about if somebody insults you, it's OK. Don't try to take vengeance on them. If it's if they do, if they ask you for something, don't worry about it. Just let them have it. And he's saying in a lot of he's saying more than just in a physical way, but in a principal way. Not that you can rationalize it and justify it, but that you can begin to understand what he's really trying to say. So I'm going to try to show you what he's trying to say. Look at verse 32. Because Jesus, I'm thinking the disciples and everybody listening going, I can't believe he's saying this. He's gone off his rocker. But he wants to explain it, okay? But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Let me ask you, is it easy for you to love people that love you? Yes. It is, isn't it? Okay. 
That's what he's saying. For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who good, do good to you, what credit is that to you? Is it easy for you to do good to people that do good to you? Okay. Just want to check. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? Have you ever loaned anybody money and they paid you back? Come on. Surely there's somebody in here they got. <laughs> they, you loaned them money and they paid you back. Would you loan money to them again? Why, sure. Especially if they paid you interest. But if you loan, how many of you ever loaned money that you never got back? Oh, I thought that's kind of be the way it was. <laughs> that's the old kiss principle. Kiss it goodbye, you know. <laughs> don't don't expect it back. That's what Jesus would say. Don't expect it back. And if it comes back, it's good. For even sinners lend to sinner uh, lend to sinners to receive as much back. But then he goes on verse thirty five. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And then here's what he says. Your reward will be great. Say, I get a great reward. You will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful just as your father also is merciful. This is what I believe he's trying to tell us. If your neighbor or your enemy needs something, you give it to them. The bottom line is what he's trying to teach you is trust God. Trust him. If you give somebody something, God's going to bless you anyway. If you, if, you, if you turn your other cheeks, God's going to take vengeance on them. It won't be your job. All the things that he said for you to do, you have to come to a place that I believe that God's led me to this place to love my enemy. And whatever they do to me, God is going to be in control. And he's going to take charge. And he's going to bless me. And he's going to give me a reward for being faithful and being obedient to the commandment that he's given me to love my enemy. Amen? You see, it's a trust factor. We want to get revenge, but God said, no, vengeance is mine. Leave it alone. We, we, want, to, we want to exact all the things. We want to get stuff back when we give stuff. And God said, listen, I'm going to reward you. Would you rather have somebody pay you back a loan, or would you rather have God pay you back the loan? Guess what? He pays a lot better than people. And it might not be in money. It would be in blessings or something, but God's going to reward you, it says. And I don't believe this is one of these rewards that's there I think it's the here and now. He says, I'll reward you. Your reward will be great. So listen, we ought to want to love our neighbors. Amen. Got one yes over there. Next one. Choose to love yourself. How are we doing on time? Oh, we're good. Choose to love yourself. Woo! Man, we've gone through all those, and now we get to that one. That's sometimes the toughest one. Sometimes it's the very toughest one. You know why? I'm going to go back again to why we sometimes don't love ourselves, agapao ourselves. It's because we go back to the Western mindset or the culture or whatever the world says. We think our love is the way we feel. We think I'll love myself if everything's lined up just right. All my bills are paid. My wife is, is obedient. You know, she's a faithful wife. If all my enemies, they, 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 they love me. And I, if, we ever, if all the stars and all everything lines up just right, man, I'll feel good. I love myself. That's not what he's talking about at all. It's a, con, it's a commandment to love yourself. It's not a commandment to be prideful, boastful, uh, puffed up. Uh, that's, that's called self-righteousness. You know what self-righteousness is when you get right down to the needy-greedy? It's idolatry. You're worshiping yourself. See, some of us take ourselves way too seriously. We do. And God says, I just want you to love yourself the way, the way I've loved you. 
And he, and he puts that before us every morning that we wake up. Do you love yourself? Here's a problem with a lot of Christians. They don't love themselves the way they should because they don't know whose they are or, who, or their identity in Christ. They don't know what he's done for us. They don't know that, you're, that we're made in his image. Listen, we can't wake up and say, I can't believe I'm the way I am or I look the way I look or this. You know what you're doing? You're dissing God. He didn't make any mistakes when he made you. And when you start saying, well, God, I can't believe this, that you did that, I can't, you, you start getting mad at God, you start putting him down, you put yourself, when you put yourself down, you're putting God down. Y'all hearing me? When you put yourself down, you're putting God down because he created you. I remember that old, that little, that's something that came out 30 years ago, it was in a frame somewhere, I saw it, and you've heard it over and over, God don't make no junk. You know what, we start claiming that we're junk, but we're not junk. We are fearfully and wonderfully made by our Creator. We are knit together in our mother's womb. Hallelujah. And listen, when we get a revelation of who we are in Christ, that we're the, we're the sons and the daughters of the Most High God, that we're heirs of Christ, and we begin to know who we are in Christ. Listen, when we get up and things aren't aligning right in the universe, we still say, I'm getting up because God is faithful. His mercies are new every morning. I love God, and He loves me, and I can love my neighbor because I do love myself. It's a commandment. It's not an option. And all that comes down to this. Last but first, we choose to obey God. We choose to obey God. Because listen, if you miss that part, you'll miss all the rest of it. If you, if you choose to obey God, then that means you'll choose actually to love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because you have to choose to make that cho- you have to make that choice to obey that commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You have to choose to obey that commandment that says love your neighbor as yourself, to love one another, to love your enemies. You have to choose to make those to take to to obey those commandments. There was a story in in First Samuel fifteen. This is another one you can look up. It's a really interesting story. But but Saul had been anointed king, and he went out to fight a battle. God told him, "This is how I want you to fight the battle. I don't want you to leave. I don't want you to take any spoils. I don't want you to let the king live." And Saul said, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna let the king live, and I want to take some spoils." And and he was approached by Samuel. Samuel, Samuel the prophet said, "Man, why did you do that? You disobeyed God." He said, "Well, you know what? We're gonna use all those animals, and we're gonna sacrifice them to the Lord." That's what we do. We, we make excuses and make, we make up stuff that never was in our hearts so we can get by with God and like he, he's not going to figure it out. And, and Saul was called out on the carpet by God through the prophet Samuel. And this is what Saul, Samuel said to him. He said, behold, it's better to obey than to sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice, church. And I want you to know, so many times we separate these verses, and we'll, we'll use that to obey is better than sacrifice. I've used it before. But listen, you know what follows that word? You know what follows that verse? Verse 23 says, for rebellion, say rebellion, is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Woo! When you start going into the realm of, I am not going to obey you, God, you step into the realm of rebellion And that is as witchcraft. That is not good. That is idolatry. He says you you begin, you step into witchcraft. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Listen, when you disobey God, I'm telling you, church, 
this is not a do's and don'ts sermon, but God's very, very serious about his commandments. You understand that? When you disobey God, when you say, no way, no how, not going to do that, not going to love my wife, not going to love my neighbor, not going to love my enemies. When you say that, you're opening the door to witchcraft and rebellion in your life. Whoa. Maybe that's why that stuff's happening in my life. Would y'all, hmm? right? I'm serious. This is serious stuff, guys. This ain't no Valentine's message. <laughs> What's love got to do? Got to do it. Yeah. It is a secondhand emotion. That's right. That's a good song. That's a real good song for this sermon. I want to ask you a question. Do you have a problem with loving your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you have a problem loving your neighbor? Do you have a problem loving your spouse or your enemies or yourself? I would suggest to you this morning you have a problem with obedience. Do the choices you make honor God or dishonor him? I found this saying on the, uh, as I was researching this, this sermon. I think it bears uh, speaking. Since everything in your life is a reflection of a choice you have made. If you want a different result, make a different choice. Everything in your life is a reflection of whether or not you are following and obeying the commands of God. And if you're walking in rebellion, if you're walking in this, if your world, if your if your life is a mess, it's probably because you haven't been obedient to God. So if you want those things to change in your life, you need to start making some different choices. And that's to obey God, to obey his commandments. You know, they're really, we, we, we like to say, man, his commandments are too hard, but they really aren't. They really aren't. He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. He said all the rest of those, the Ten Commandments and all the other commandments, fall under those two. Isn't that amazing? So he said, I'm no, I don't want to complicate things. I just want you to love me. Love me with all you got. Because I created you and I have the best thing. I have my, your interest. I have your best interest in mind. And he said, not only love me first and put me first in everything you do, but love your neighbor. Love those around you. Love those in the church as you love yourself because I made you. And you need to love yourself also. So I believe today, as we purpose in our heart to see a harvest of souls in 2014, this is going to be one of those, I believe, one of these messages that's going to be a place where we can look back and go, wow, the church changed on February the whatever the day is, ninth, 2014. Because today they said, you know what, we've been walking in disobedience in some areas of our life. And that's why we haven't been loving the way we should. Now, if there's a church, I'd put this church up against any church in this city to having a heart of love. But I'm telling you, we can go way further and way deeper, way higher. Y'all believe that? Individually, we can do that. And if we, we do that individually, we'll do it corporately. So I want you to stand this morning. Have the ministry team come. I know y'all have been busy this morning. That's okay. It's what you're here for. You love to pray with people. 
So you're thinking, well, pastor, what do I do? Man, I, I, I don't love my neighbor and have a, had a hard time loving my wife and even have a hard time loving my kids sometimes. It's not, about, it's not about what you're feeling. I want you to get that out of your mind this morning. It's about a choice. The choice to obey or not to obey. So then you say, well, pastor, what do I do? How do I fix that? Well, you can't fix it, but God can. And he's going to ask you this morning, if you're walking in disobedience in any area of your life, even delayed obedience is disobedience. If you're walking in disobedience, he has a formula. I, I hate to use that word, but he does have a formula for that, to repair that. It's called repentance. Repentance. Good definition of repentance is a renewed mind. You're going to change the way you think. So bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, I want to bless this body of believers right now. Their minds would be renewed about even the word love, what it means. That it is a verb. It's something you did for us, and you said, because I did it for you, I want you to do it for others. So renew our minds today, Father, regarding love. Father, also you ask that you renew our minds regarding repentance and obedience. Father, if we've been walking in disobedience and we've opened the door to witchcraft and rebellion, Father, that that day the door would get shut because of repentance. You know, God never asked us to come to Him and ask Him to forgive us of our sins. Did you know that? He asked us to confess Him. Repent. Of course, part of that process is the forgiveness of sins. I would not ever say that. But what he wants more than anything is a church full of people that have this mindset that because God loved me, I can love. I'll just listen and obey his word, his commandments. I can show Jesus to the world. The world's waiting, church. The world is waiting to see the real Jesus come out in our lives. We will see a harvest of souls. We're seeing people come to the kingdom almost every Sunday here. But, Father, you know, you know there are more. But it's going to take all your laborers going out into the fields, not in this building, but out in the fields, and begin to sow and allow you to reap. So, Father, if there's one or a hundred here this morning that need to repent, or 250 or 300 that need to repent, may we do that today with your grace, with your power. See, the word power, y'all look up here. The, the word power and ability are almost interchangeable a lot of times in scriptures. God will give the ability or the power to walk in obedience. He will, if you'll trust him. If you'll trust him. So I'm going to ask you right now as we sing, you step out and come. If you need prayer this morning for anything, if you need to come and kneel up here and do some repenting, you come. If you need to understand, have a little bit more understanding of salvation, we have a ministry team that will pray with you. And I don't know where the rest of them went, but I know we're going to need them back up here. So you'll step out and come. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, we invite you to come. We invite you to come. If you're having a hard time loving somebody, let us pray for you this morning. If there are people you need to forgive, you need to go from this place and begin to forgive them. And ask the Holy Spirit to direct you how that would look. Ask the Holy Spirit to direct you. I know a lot of you got prayer for physical needs this morning, but this time... This is for, for you to get right with God, to know Him as Lord and Savior, or to repent. Speak that. It's, it says in James, confess your sins one to the other, that you may be healed. I want to ask you to step out and come this morning.
step out and come. Don't wait for somebody next to you to come. You step out and come. Just let these folks pray for you today. Repentance. Love. Agape. Anybody else need prayer? Kristen's available over here to pray. Got over here Larry and Janice and Judy and Diane. Got a lot of people here available to pray. I know it's a tough thing to say, you know what, I have been walking in obedience. The first way you get, you start moving out of disobedience is to obey God right now. And say, when he says, Holy Spirit says, you need to go for prayer. Humble yourself and go. Then do it. Obey him. It's better than sacrifice. bow your heads and shut your eyes Holy Spirit just bring somebody to mind that if, if there's somebody we have ought against we've had a hard time loving them Father show me who that is that I might begin to pray and intercede for them and obey you and however you tell me to, to walk through, walk this thing out maybe some of you left the church and man you left mad you need to repent you need to forgive people them to forgive you. Just clear things up. Get the slate clean. Just get the slate clean. Some of you have broken off relationships out of anger, out of hatred, and God would say, you know, that's not me. And you would begin the forgiving process so you could be healed. Some of you are dealing with back pain and bitterness and those things that's born out of unforgiveness, you need to forgive. That's his commandment. Are you obeying this morning? Maybe seated.